You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Dr. Bowen F. White isn't normal. Why? After seeing thousands of patients as a physician, Dr. White discovered that what we consider normal isn't necessarily healthy. Dr. White's split personality, Dr. Yerko, often shares his humorous and witty perspective on serious topics, proving that laughter is the best medicine. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Bowen F. White. A physician since 1979, Dr. White founded the Department of Preventative and Stress Medicine for the Baptist Medical Center in Kansas City, Missouri, and the Department of Wellness and Health Promotion. He travels the world to promote humor, health, and healing, contributes his time to Patch Adams' Gesundheit Institute, and is the author of the book, Why Normal Isn't Healthy, How to Find Heart, Meaning, Passion, and Humor on the Road Most Traveled, as seen in the PBS special, The Promise of Play. Dr. White, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Hello, Susan. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Dr. White, what led you to the lighter side of medicine? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, my boards were in family medicine, but as a family doc, I was always a holistic physician. I was one of two medical students that were founding members of the American Holistic Medical Association in 1978. I always had this idea that, you know, I knew how to deal with problems by dealing with the whole person, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and Actually, after I finished my family practice residency and started those two medical departments, I left the hospital and went to hour-and-a-half appointments with every patient. I, I thought I knew how to be with suffering people. And spending an hour-and-a-half with people, you know, a big-hearted, holistic doctor and everything, I, even I'd go to the hospital if someone were really having problems and really in pain and having difficulty, I wouldn't try to suppress my own tears. I, I wanted people not to feel distance from me, but some kind of connection with me and me with them. And I didn't want to be separate from their suffering, but to be with them in their suffering. And, and I, knew, I thought I knew how to be with suffering people. And then I had a kid that came to see me, a third grader from Hutchison, Kansas, named Graham. I called him Graham Cracker, and he had a brain tumor. And his parents inflicted me upon him to help him deal with the stress of the cancer and treatments. And to make a long story short, Graham first had surgery, the tumor involved the brain stem, and, you know, you don't want to mess around with the brain stem because if the brain stem swells, you quit breathing, and breathing is a positive health habit. Susan, if you quit breathing, you want to make sure you start right again because it, it, it's a positive health habit. Anyway, so he went back to his home in Hutchison, Kansas, with a certain knowledge there was cancer left in his brain, and then he had to have chemotherapy and radiation therapy. and. After he went to his last visit with the radiation oncologist, the, the x-ray doc, he walked in my office to see me, and when he walked in, he handed me a sack of noses and said, hey, doc, i got a present for you, and gave me this bag of noses, and, you know, pig nose, elephant nose, duck nose, shark nose, different noses you can put over your own nose to have a fun nose experience. And, and then he said, let me tell you what I, what I just did with that pig nose. You know, I just had my last visit with the x-ray doc in, in follow-up, and you know, sometimes when you go to see the doc, you have to wait. And I was getting kind of bored waiting for the doc to come in. Then I had this idea. I thought, I got out the pig nose. I put the pig nose on, and I waited for the doc to come to the door. And when I heard him turn the doorknob, I stood up and put my back to the door. So when he walked in and said, hey, Graham, how you doing? I said, well, doc, as I slowly turned around, 
there were certain side effects from the radiation you forgot to tell me about. And when when he did that to me, I, I just couldn't help but laugh, and I felt something go chunk in my psyche. I knew Graham was teaching me a life lesson about another way to be with suffering people. What Graham taught me is that when you're dealing with something that's really heavy and serious, to maintain some sense of emotional balance, it really helps to carry lightness, buoyancy, and playfulness into that psychological space. So he maintained a sense of emotional balance dealing with a difficult crisis. Dr. White, in your book you write that because of Graham, you started encouraging your hospital patients to misbehave. Part of normal not being healthy is that, you know, growing up we always were taught to behave ourselves. And after that experience with Graham, I mean, I, it was a life-stopping event. I, I recognized I went in, when I went then back into the hospital and I was with really sick people. I found out really sick people, even people that are deemed to be terminal, which is an interesting concept, terminal. Let's see, am I in, is it terminal one or terminal two? I, I was just wondering, where am I leaving from? I, geez, I hope that flight's delayed. Anyway, even really sick people deemed to be terminal, they like to laugh and have fun. I, you know, gee, why is that? Well, they're not dead yet, you know, and as long as we're not dead, you know, we want to feel better. And laughing and having fun helps you feel better, so after that, I, uh, in 1991, had another experience, and I, and I took it to another level with the creation of this clown character. Who is Dr. Yerko? Well, um, it's Dr. J-E-R-K-O. Oh, Dr. Jerko. No, it, it's actually, he's a little sensitive. It is pronounced Dr. Yerko. He's a large-butted proctologist, and, uh, you know, he likes to get to the bottom of things. And uh, he is a, a creation out of my own disturbed psyche. In 1991, I have this lunatic doctor friend I met, made, met about 20 years ago, Dr. Patch Adams, the guy they made the movie of, the actual doctor, and I met at a medical meeting. And, uh, you know, we became friends right away, and I met another doctor more disturbed than I am. And it's really good to find someone more disturbed than you are. And <laughs> it also gives you permission to kind of... Uh, you know, get out to, out there to the edge and, and move forward a little bit. Anyway, he said, you know, why don't you come to Russia? You know, take a group of people to clown at hospitals and orphanages and hospices the first two weeks of November every year. You know, why don't you create a clown character and come on that trip? And he talked to me about doing that for years. And I said, uh, you know, look, I'll pay my money and go on the trip, but I'm goofy anyway. I don't, I don't need to do the clown thing. And he said, no. If you come on this trip, you'll pay your money and create a clown character because you're not going to do medicine as you know it. You're going to go bedside to bedside with sick kids and try to bring a little joy into people's lives that don't have much. Dr. White, what does it say on the back of Dr. Yerko's lab coat? Well, it actually says, I'm interested in your stools. Um, my clown coat has a lot of decoration on it, and, you know, he is a clown proctologist, and as one, obviously, he is, he's interested in your stools. I actually, you know, it's it's funny. Have you ever been in the hospital yourself, Susan? Yes, I have. Well, if you've been in there yourself, you know when you're in the hospital, everybody's interested in your stools. It's like your stools are everybody's business. Sometimes, you know, going in as a clown, you know, I encourage misbehavior, people to not sit there and just take it. You know, you're paying a lot of money for that bed. If you don't like the food, send it back. It was food once, but not when you get it. It's It's a cousin of food. You know, and if people aren't treating you right, raise hell, cause trouble. I mean, you know, it's your life. So you need to fight for you and, and be an advocate for yourself. And 
also try to, you know, have a little fun there. If, you know, a lot of people don't think about having fun in the hospital. I mean, a lot of people, you know, when they get sick, you know, it's not a fun experience. So here, here's an example. If the nurse came in in the, in the morning and says, Susan, uh, did you have a bowel movement today? You know, you might say, well, <clears throat> yes, I did. And she might say, well, where is it? And you say, well, I, I put it over there. And, and she looks over there and says, well, it's not here. And you say, well, I flushed it away. And she says, well, i got to see it. You know, sometimes you got to poop to get out. You know, what if you decided to misbehave yourself and you had a little, a little pile of fake poop, say? And the nurse came in in the morning and, and said, did you have a bowel movement today? And you say, well, yes, I did. And then you pull out the poop and you say, and, and here it is, you can... You can pop that puppy right on the chart. You know, you can document that sucker, and, you know, you know what would her response be? You know, first thing she'd go, she, is that real sh**? It's a medical term, by the way. And, and, then, and then she'd start laughing, and then what would she do? She'd take that poop, and she'd want to go play the joke on somebody else, and what would happen to the energy on the floor? The energy would go up, and the sick person would be creating an environment that's more light and buoyant and playful because they gave themselves permission to misbehave. Dr. White, the title of your book is Why Normal Isn't Healthy. If normal isn't healthy, what is? Well, the definition of health I stole from a guy named Ashley Montague that wrote a book called Growing Young. And uh, the definition is the ability to work, to love, to play, and to think soundly. So, you know, you can have cancer and be healthy because a lot of being healthy has to do with relationships. You know, how can you have a healthier relationship with yourself instead of being your own worst enemy? How can you have healthier relationships with other people without them changing? It's an important caveat. Um, how can you figure out how to do what you do better? And we can all figure that out, you know, with healthy support. And how, how can we have more fun getting better? Being healthy has to do with the ability to work, to love, to play, and to think soundly. And if you can't think soundly, then those other things aren't going to happen. Your ability to work, to love, and play aren't going to happen at optimum levels. And in your book, you talk a lot about stress. What do you believe is the leading cause of stress? Reality, obviously. Reality, you know, if things were different than they are, they wouldn't be as stressful, right? You know, it's, reality is the leading cause of stress. The line is a great line out of Jane Wagner's book, Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Lily Tomlin turned it into a, a one-woman play on Broadway. Reality is leading and cause of stress. I can take it in small doses, but as a lifestyle, I found it too confining. It expected me to be there for it all the time, and, well, with all I have to do, I had to let something go. Now, since I put reality on the back burner, my days are jam-packed and fun-filled. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, re- life is stressful. I mean, life isn't fair. It's not going to get fair. Reality is going to be stressful. You know, life is stressful, then we die, and then who knows? Death may be stressful. In your book, you talk about a near-life experience. What's that? You know, people hear a lot about near-death experiences. You know, their heart stops and they have CPR and they come back and they saw white light or, you know, they were floating above the table and saw people working on them. And You know, a lot of people don't change their lives until they have a near-death experience or until they get cancer or heart disease or their kid gets sick or something really bad happens. And a near-life experience, you know, why wait till we have, you know, some world-stopping trauma? You know, why don't we use the, the things that are close to us right now? Every day, a lot of men get up in the morning, they shave, and then they put a tie on. They actually put a knot around their neck, which is a bizarre way to start the day. Anyway, um, and if they got in shaving, if that guy got his face right up against the mirror, 
what would his own breath do to the mirror? It would fog it all up. Fog it up. So, see, sometimes we're too close to our own stuff, and, and our own hot air fogs things up. So we need other people to hold up a mirror to us to give us a near-life experience. Sometimes we're too close to see with clarity what's going on, so we need other people in our circle of support to help us see some things that we may be too close to. We need people like you, Dr. White. How can people get a copy of your book? Bowen White, B-O-W-E-N White, like the color, bowenwhite.com. Why normal isn't healthy. I reread it. It's not half bad. It's a great book, Dr. White. Dr. White, thank you for joining us today to discuss why laughter is the best medicine. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.